into Hick at Night. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. A happy Saturday and a happy weekend to you. Thank you for making us a part of it right here on CBS Sports Radio. Belichick, McDermott, Tomlin. We will circle back to the future of those three storied head coaches here shortly. But I do want to mention one um, or make one point here about the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Since that is going to be, uh, that award is going to be given out later Saturday night. I think wins are a quarterback stat. Like we can't, right? We can't put all this emphasis on the quarterback position. Call it the most important position in all sports. Obsess about it 24 7, 365. And then not say when a team wins, oh, the quarterback who we have all said and agreed is the most impactful position in football that determines wins or losses. We then can't say, oh, you can't say wins are, are uh, a quarterback stat. It's a team stat. We can't put all this emphasis on the quarterback position and say it directly impacts winning or losing. And then also in the same breath say, well, wins shouldn't be a quarterback stat. No way. Right. You crossed the line. Passing yards, passing touchdowns, interceptions, quarterback rating, that all counts. Wins? No, no, no. We, we can't. We can't start counting wins now as a quarterback stat. I call BS. I do. I think wins are a quarterback stat. And that's why, for me, if I had a Heisman Trophy vote, I would give my vote to Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. I think he deserves to win that award because Washington is 13-0, and he played his best in the biggest games. You should get rewarded for winning every single game. I think you should also get rewarded when you look at this specific Heisman Trophy race. Right, It's a two-man race. There are four guys at the uh, at the ceremony. Bo Nix, Marvin Harrison Jr., tremendous years. They have no chance of winning. By the betting odds, you could even say Penix has no chance of winning. But it's really a two-man race between Jaden Daniels of LSU and now Penix. And the reason why I think wins should be the biggest determining factor for this and this year's only voting is because look at the similarities between LSU and Washington this year. Both teams are built basically exactly the same. They both have awful defenses. Washington is 93rd in total defense. LSU is 101st. Terrible. Both could not rely on their defenses to win games this season. Both also had a very limited run game. The Huskies, 103rd in terms of rushing yards per game. LSU, now LSU is fifth, but, 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 a large part of that was Daniels himself calling his own number. When you look at the running back production, you needed to add the top four running backs from LSU, add their season totals together in order to equal what Jaden Daniels did running the ball this year. So Washington had no run game, period. LSU had no run game outside of Daniels. So you add it up, no run game, no defense. That means both LSU and Washington, in order for them to win games this season, they need to win games on the back of their quarterback, right? They couldn't rely on their defense to win a game. They couldn't rely on their running game to balance out the offense. They went into each and every game this year needing their quarterback to play well or they didn't have a chance to win. 
And so when you have both teams needing this, like relying on the same way to win games on the arms of the quarterback and the legs as well in the case of Daniels, but I absolutely think then, well, how they how they finish the season should matter first and foremost. Washington was 13-0. LSU was 9-3. That should matter. That should, to me, that should be the determining factor. One quarterback who had all the pressure on his left shoulder got his team to win what I think was the toughest and deepest conference in college football this year, the Pac-12. The other quarterback with equal pressure on his shoulder and legs to win games, went 9-3, and three, and has taken his team to the ReliaQuest Bowl. One quarterback played great in the biggest games of the season. One didn't. Like, look at how Penix played, because I think that's also part of the Heisman Trophy, and it's very similar to the NFL MVP Trophy. I don't think you can win the Heisman nor can you win the uh, MVP just on stats alone because it's not just about the best numbers. It's also about, in terms of determining value, how you play in the biggest games of the season. That is where your value is the highest. Or when you play teams that are equal, if not superior, to the team you have, how your best player plays in those games directly determines if you can win or not. And you are more valuable, in my opinion, if you play great in these big games, and that's exactly what Penix said. He, he didn't just win every game. He didn't just play a cupcake game. Played five games against ranked opponents at the time that they played. In those five games, Penix averaged 275 passing yards per game, totaled 14 touchdowns, just three interceptions. The offense for the Huskies averaged 36 points per game, and they were 5-0. Five ranked opponents, five wins, 36 points per game, 14 total touchdowns, three picks, 275 passing yards per game. That's pretty damn good. That is pretty damn impressive to play your best against some of the best teams on your schedule. On the flip side, you look at how Jaden Daniels played in the biggest games of LSU's season. He was bad against Florida State in the first game of the year. Not his fault, but a fact. Couldn't finish the Alabama game. So that moment was robbed from him. But couldn't finish the Bama game. And LSU, in the four ranked opponents they played, went one and three. So where you really determine the most value is how you play in the biggest moments. Penix was undefeated in five games against ranked opponents. 14 total touchdowns, three interceptions, Washington averaged 36 points per game in those games. On the flip side, Daniels, bad against Florida State, couldn't finish another game against a ranked opponent. And again, four games against ranked opponents. LSU was one and three. And oh, by the way, Penix was dealing with something that Daniels was not for most of the year. That was pressure. Washington, each and every week, their season was on the line. Because as we saw at the college football playoff, going undefeated was not enough to make the playoff in the case of Florida State. Losing just one game was the difference between postseason birth and New Year's Six Bowl, no chance at a national title for Ohio State and Georgia. So, if you're Washington, 
You basically had to go undefeated. You had to win every game. That is massive pressure that Penix had to play under where Jaden Daniels had no pressure. LSU had two losses by the end of September. Their season was over. There's no pressure to win every game. So also remember the fact that not only was Penix playing big-time games against ranked opponents, he also was playing every single week to keep Washington's playoff hopes alive. Where come October 1st, LSU is already out of the picture with two losses. Their season was done, so that pressure in terms of making the playoff was already, already evaporated. Not a thing. That's also another thing to remember here, that he was playing freer and could take more risks because there was less to lose. So when you look at this Heisman Trophy race here, when you have two teams in Washington and LSU that disproportionately needed their quarterback more than ever to win them games because they had a bad defense and no running game to rely on, I think wins should be the determining factor this year for who wins the Heisman Trophy. And you look at Michael Penix, 13-0, Pac-12 champions, college football playoff berth. For me, with all that was needed for him to do to win those games, I think he should win the Heisman Trophy. I actually was there today. Being here in New York City, the trophy is given out in New York City. They have Heisman availability like media availability on Friday afternoon. So I decided to mosey on over, went down there. And I asked Michael Penix himself, how much do you think wins should impact the voting of this award? He's humble, right? He's not going to throw anyone under the bus, but I think in a nice way, beating around the bush a little bit, he just kind of showed you winning matters. Winning does matter. And for me, it should be the ultimate factor in this year's award. Because when you look at the two teams, LSU and Washington, they're very similar. Both relied heavily on their quarterback. One came through every time. One didn't. That, for me, is how you spell value. That, for me, is why Michael Penix Jr. should be your 2023 Heisman Trophy winner. So I'd love to hear your thoughts here. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Also hit me up on social media at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Should wins be the determining factor in this year's Heisman Trophy race? Do you look at the record of LSU and the record of Washington and say, you know what? Yeah, Pennock should win. Daniels had better stats. Now, I don't think it's night and day or, or head and shoulders above what Pennock's put up. But Daniels had, like, factually better stats. But should wins count, in your mind, more than those numbers? I can't believe I'm saying this because I feel like this guy has gotten, but the career he's had, all the pre, uh, all the credit you could possibly imagine, but I think this year he's not getting enough. And that's Nick Saban. I would have voted Nick Saban Coach of the Year. Kalen DeBoer, again, very willing. It was a very tough vote this year. If In case you missed it, ESPN and their college football awards they gave out on Friday night. Kalen DeBoer, Coach of the Year. Um, I would have given it to Nick Saban because I think the coaching job he did this year is the best of his career. I don't think there's been a coach or, I, excuse me, I don't think Nick Saban has done a better coaching job in his career than getting this Alabama team 
to the college football playoff because I think this is the worst roster and the one that had the most questions coming into the season since 2007. 15 years or more than that? In terms of dominance, in terms of greatness. But you look at this roster and this team coming into the season. They had quarterback instability. Didn't know if Jalen Miller was going to be the starter. You bring, you go into the transfer portal late, which kind of highlights that Saban had no faith in Miller, at least in spring camp. You get Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame to come on in. So you have quarterback instability. We got no game breakers at receiver, at tight end, or at, at running back coming into this season. Shaky offensive line. You got no replacement for Will Anderson Jr. And really even Bryce Young. So your two best players from last year, who, by the way, Alabama struggled last year as well because and it was covered up because of the greatness of Anderson and also the greatness of Young. Those two players leave. You have no real replacements for them. Come to this year with all those questions. I thought they were going to be out of the top 15, be nowhere close to winning an SEC title, let alone winning the SEC West. And then early on in the year, I look like a genius. <laughs> I, right on this show, predicted Texas to go into Tuscaloosa and win week two. And absolutely, you better bet your bottom dollar took a victory lap the next week and the week after that and the week after that. Riding that prediction high, did it look like I was going to be right? That Alabama was going to have their worst finish since 2007, finish out of the top 15, and be an afterthought for most of the year. But to their credit, where they came from, starting with that Texas loss, to where they are now, I mean, there's been no team that's grown more. Jalen Milrow, it starts with him. Right? The development he has shown has been incredible. I would argue right now there is no player that's been uh, more improved. I don't think it's a, a college football playoff, or I should say just a general college football award, most improved player. If it is, I would give it to Jalen Milrow. Tremendous growth. This season, in terms of seeing the field, pocket awareness, deep ball accuracy, decision-making, every single box that was questionable, he improved and made it less of a question throughout the entire year. He grew exponentially. Offensive line really came into their own. And then by the SEC title game, it's pushed around Georgia's offensive line. Uh, defensive line, excuse me. Pushing them around. Dominating the line of scrimmage. Receivers started making more plays. This team in every facet grew up and got better each and every week. And now here they are, ending Georgia's 29-game winning streak, winning the SEC, going to the college football playoff, and by the way, now a very popular pick to win the college football playoff, win another national title. The, the growth, the improvement is incredible. And I don't think Nick Saban this year is getting enough credit for that growth, for that improvement. And for my money, Saban's done obviously a lot of great coaching. I think this has been the best. This year for me has been the best coaching job Nick Saban has ever done. So we started the show negatively talking you know, bad about, I think rightfully so, by the way, Sean McDermott, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick. I want to at least talk positively about a coach. And that's Nick Saban doing a tremendous job um, with this Alabama team this year. So 855-212-4227.
855-212-4227. So let's circle back to what we talked about here at the top of the hour. I think Michael Penix Jr. of Washington should win this year's Heisman Trophy. Because for me, the biggest determining factor in deciding who wins is wins. Your record. Washington, 13-0. LSU and Jaden Daniels, 9-3. With those teams being built in a very similar fashion, needing and relying on the quarterback the most to win them games, I want to, and I think, the quarterback that won the most games and played the best in the biggest games of the season should be the one rewarded. Which is why for me, if I had a vote, I would give it to Michael Penix Jr. How about yourself? 855-212-4227. Scott is calling from Birmingham. What's up, Scott? Hey, Ron. First of all, I just want to say love your show. Oh, thank you, Scott. Uh, I, run one of the, I run one of the Longhorns here in Birmingham. And when I close at night, I always have to, I always listen to your show on the way home. And it's always super, I just love it. Good show. Thank and, you. Uh, so, I, well, you're welcome. And I hope your family, y'all have a great holiday. But um, Likewise there, Scotty. I, I, I think Penix should definitely get it. Um, I mean, the guy just has a great story. All the injuries and everything he went through, and then to be 13-0 this season, that's awesome. I think he should get it. Now, after saying that, you talked about some Alabama stuff. Now, I'm an Alabama guy. Mm-hmm. I called you earlier this year, and I told you, you know, my expectations for Alabama. And, um, you know, I had accepted the fact that even if we beat Georgia, that we might get left out. I really truly expected it. I, I wouldn't have been too out of the way, but I thought I was like, it's, I said, they're going to leave us out, you know. And uh, so, again, I think – I think Saban did, like, this is probably – I think it's one of his best years coaching. And, uh, you know, the, what he did with the team. And he even said it earlier in the year that this was his favorite team. And I think the fact that he didn't have those all-star guys made it dif- made a difference. And I think he actually got to coach. And I think that was the difference this year. And you saw it too, Scott. I appreciate the call, man. Appreciate listening. Be well. Happy holidays. We don't talk to you between now and then. Like, you saw it throughout the year too. Again, like – Early in the season, it was rough. And that you, I mean, losing to Texas at home was bad, but that South Florida game was even worse in a win. That was rock bottom. But this credit, and the team's credit, everyone checked their ego at the door and just went to work. And they truly improved over time, week after week after week. Took care of business. And now, again, you're looking at where this team is now versus where they were two and a half months ago. It's two different teams. It is two different teams. And you... It's hard to see that much improvement over the course of a season. It really is. And I think Alabama showed you that, and I think Nick Saban deserves a lot of credit for it and should get rewarded, or at least in terms of recognized, for what I think has been the best coaching job of his career. This is, again, not nearly, and you heard Scott say it, rightfully so, this is nowhere near, talent-wise, one of the best, I mean, honestly, probably one of the worst teams Saban's ever had. So there was a lot of room for growth. Not a lot of talent just were lying to throw him out on the field and have success with. And here he is in the college football playoff, 11 and 1. We're now 12 and 1, I should say, after winning the SEC title game. He's been tremendous. The guy does it again. Just when you write him off, 
Just when you think, okay, you know what? Maybe this is Bama, uh, Georgia's time to take over the SEC, and maybe Bama's going to slowly fade out. Saban comes back with a vengeance. It is unbelievable. Joe is calling from Birmingham. Hello, Joe. Hey, bud, how you doing? I called you last week about the same subject. But first off, I want to agree with you about Saban. This was his hands-down job, and he gets screwed every year because he wins so many national championships that of his year. Now, the other point I disagreed with you last week was about who was going to make the playoffs. I threw a couple scenarios at you, and sure enough, it did play out. But we both missed the team out of us. And then we're here back with Jane again. Well, we've had the president's been set for three lost quarterbacks to win the Heisman Trophy. Lamar didn't sniff it. Right. Robert Tim Tebow. Griffin III didn't sniff it. So the president's there for it to happen. That's what I was trying to tell you last, last week when I called you. But, I mean, everybody has their opinion, but that's just what I think is going to happen again. I think Jay Daniels is going to win it. Here, then I'll just hang up and listen. Have a good evening, bud. Joe, you too. Here's the difference. No, you, the, I no, I never said in the show, by the way, that there's we've never had a three loss quarterback win the award. And like you mentioned, Lamar Jackson, Tim Tebow, RG3, like there have been players on teams that have not won championships or even in the championship mix that have won it. Here's the why to me this year is different. Unlike Lamar's year, unlike Tim Tebow's year, unlike RG3 year, three's year, two things I think are different here with this specific award this year in 2023. Number one, I don't think Jaden Daniels' stats are head and shoulders far and away better than Michael Penix's. They are better, don't get me wrong, but is it light years better? No. It's not enough to where stats alone win you the award. So, okay, let's look at that other factors. The difference this year compared to, again, the RG3 or the Tim Tebow year is there is no other comparable team with a comparable player in those years that those players won the awards where the team success was predicated on one player. Like, we have a situation this year with LSU and Washington. Both of their team success was predicated on one guy, the quarterback. Every team can say, oh, the quarterback's important, obviously. But a lot of other teams can rely on a good running game, a good offensive line, a good defense to win you games. Washington and LSU are identical where they could not rely on their defense to win them games. They both were terrible defensively. They could not rely on their run game outside of the quarterback. Washington didn't have a run game, period. And LSU didn't have a run game outside of Daniels. So both teams came into this year needing and relying on their quarterback solely to win them games. One quarterback, one every game. That's why I think for me this year specifically – Wins, which I would count as a quarterback side in general. But wins in this case, I think should be the determining factor in winning the award. That's why I go with Michael Penix Jr. All right, 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. I do want to circle back to what we started the show with, and that was three NFL coaches that I think should be fired, traded, however you want to phrase it, should not be coaching their current team next year. Sean McDermott, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick. All three cannot be coaching their current team for all different reasons. Very quickly, Sean McDermott lost the trust of his team. The reason why the comments about 9-11 
came out this week, despite them being said in 2019, was because the team is set in the groundwork for him to be fired. He has lost all trust, all belief, organizationally in Sean McDermott and leading them to a Super Bowl is gone. That's why those comments came out now, despite them being said four years ago. Mike Tomlin, you just saw the Steelers in the span of four days lose at home in the middle of a playoff race to two teams that came into your building, each having two wins, each living with three. The Steelers are stale. They are nowhere near the caliber right now. Chiefs, Bengals, Dolphins, Ravens, nowhere near the upper echelon of the AFC. They've been that way for a while, where they have been second, third tier in the conference now for a very long time. Things are stale. It is time for a change. Not having a winning, uh, excuse me, not having a losing record is impressive, but also it means you're stuck in the middle if you're nowhere near the elite status in the conference, which the Steelers have not been for a very long time. And for the Patriots, I just don't think Bill Belichick's a good coach anymore. This has stalled out. He can't develop a quarterback. And now with the Patriots having a top five pick, I can't trust, or I wouldn't trust from the Patriots, Bill to draft a quarterback and develop him. He can't scout offensive talent. He can't develop a young quarterback. I think it's time to move on. If you're the Patriots, get an offensive-minded head coach in town and start moving forward in a new direction. Anthony's call from Pittsburgh with some thoughts on that. Hello, Anthony. You know, I uh, I, I have the philosophy, no matter how great the coach, they have a shelf life. From Paul Brown to Lombardi, they, were never, they didn't stay in their locations. They had to move on also. So it's, you know, it happens. And being here in, in Pittsburgh, and I've been following this team since Bill Austin was the coach. That was before Noel. Uh, it has, he's reached his expiration point. I mean, it's, I hate to say it, but it, the same thing that's happened in Bel- with Belichick. I mean, you can't bring in a, your coordinators like Joe Judge and Patricia and then expect anything. Right. And here in Pittsburgh, I mean, Matt Canada's been horrible for three years, and Noel and, uh, and Tom had just stuck with him. And it's, uh, it's, it's deterred where the team should be right now. So, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. I agree, and and Anthony, to your point, I appreciate the call, buddy. Like both have had storied careers, both were Hall of Fame head coaches, but I think Anthony's one hundred percent right. Like things get stale. I use the word stale. He used the word expiration date. They they mean the same thing. Both, you know, you got to move on. You need some fresh blood, and we've seen now for the Patriots since Tom Brady's left in twenty nineteen, things gone south. Bills twenty seven and thirty five with I think still four losses to go here. Uh, so we can add to that record. But he's not been a winning coach since Brady's left. And Tomlin, despite not having a losing record, has never gotten the Steelers anywhere near Super Bowl contention, where if the Steelers, a proud winning organization, are about winning Super Bowls, well, they've made one conference title game since their last Super Bowl appearance in 2010. That is a long length of time. A big sample size to tell you, Maybe we need a change. If we want to get back to the elite status here, maybe we need a coach that not only is going to make sure our record is not below 500, but make sure that come playoff time, we got a chance to win. Talman has not done that. And that's what I think right now, if you're both the Steelers and Patriots, along with the Bills, all three of your coaches right now got to go. Not They are not, at this moment, built to get you to the promised land. That's what we strive for as fans. 
None of those three guys can do it. Time to make a change. All right, 855-212-4227. It is Hick at Night with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We will continue your thoughts on the coaches, on the NFL hot seat, but also 3 at 3 is next, including the biggest news of today was the whereabouts of Shohei Otani. And if you are Major League Baseball, and if you are Shohei Otani, I got the perfect marketing solution to clear this all up and get a little extra attention on your sport. I'll tell you the my genius idea. Rob Manfred, I, I hope you're listening. This is, forget about a million-dollar idea. This is a billion-dollar idea. Today in sports was dominated by the whereabouts of Shohei Otani. Is he on a plane to Toronto? Is he in Southern California? Is he on a boat somewhere? Is he even in the U.S.? Is he at home? Is he, wait, wait, is he in Japan? Is he here? No one knew. They were... Rampant reports, a lot of speculation, nobody knew. And as you sit here right now at 3.44 a.m. Eastern time on this Saturday morning, no news of where Otani is signing and no real indications and or hints of a front runner for his team. So I figured, you know what? Let's make this a game and let's also drum up some interest and get some attention on baseball. Rob Manfred, I hope you're listening. I have for you a billion-dollar idea. Here it is. Alex, you be the judge. Shohei Otani should do this. Shohei Otani on Saturday morning should take a picture of himself behind a white background, nondescript background. Tweet it out. Allow every single MLB reporter to go on a wild goose chase. Tweet out the picture with a caption saying this, the first reporter to meet me at this specific location, figure out where I am and meet me there, gets the scoop of where I'm going. So now every reporter is desperately trying to figure out what the hell is his background? Where is Shohei Otani? The first one to find him gets the scoop and they know where Otani is going. But you have camera crews Following each reporter. So it's kind of like a little bit of the amazing race times MLB hot stove. That is pay-per-view television. I would pay money for that. You put that behind a $10 paywall and you say, look, you can have live access to live running cameras of MLB reporters all across the country right now trying to figure out where Otani is and racing to wherever they think he is to get the scoop first. That is entertaining television. That is great for the sport. I'm all in on that. That is a billion-dollar idea. Alex, if you were Rob Manfred, what do you say to that? Uh, I would watch it. Yeah. So you're in. Yeah. Billion-dollar idea. Yeah, definitely amazing race vibes. Um, it would just be kind of funny how, you know, like guys like Jeff Passan or like John Heyman would just feel like, I, I just wonder what they would do, like, behind the camera. Like, I, or just, like, I mean, on TV. I mean, I know they're comfortable being reporters, but they're just, like, on a chase, like, sweating. <laughs> That's it. Not in a suit. Not with the hair done constantly. That's, it would be fun. Give people a true behind the, well, it's not really behind the, true behind the scenes, because this is a loaded one in a million wild goose chase that never happens, never happened before. But that is great exposure for the sport of baseball. You know what I always wanted 
just sports to do in general. I never want any. Obviously, the reporters have to say where a per, per player is going during the off season. I've always wanted to do like a day before the start of the season. They ju- the team just announces every new player, like in their stadium, and now coming out is like this, this, this. But no one knows. Like you're just going, and you're. It's like a. It's a televised thing, and each team does it. So interesting. So like, you want the off season to be dead. You want no off season whatsoever. You just like you're going into the season like, oh, who are we? Who are we getting? And then like, bang, just like one and one hit. You so see like. It. No Juan Soto announcement for the Yankees. You just want like opening day, like the announce, like the lineups like being made on opening day, and like, it's like Juan batting Soto. second, right? Juan exactly. Soto. Yep. That would be sick. That would also. That would. I love that the would be in, I the anticipation would be interesting. Exactly. It'd be agonizing. That's a long yeah, off season. It is. That is a long. Like imagine not knowing where Shohei Otani, the best player in baseball. Who's going to sign the richest contract in history or MLB history? Like, imagine just six months, knowing no idea where he's going to be. An opening day is it's a long time. Surprise. That would also probably ruin spring training, but that's, we're that's, living in a fancy yeah. world. But so you're in. So, yes, pay per view, live camera crew following every beat reporter as they're trying to track down and trace Shoei Otani posting a nondescript picture and trying to figure out where he is. I think that's. Only way to get this done. I'm in. And you know what? Maybe, if depending on how generic the background is, maybe your wish will come true and no one's going <laughs> to find out until the opening day. He goes, okay, I guess I got to tell you where I'm playing. And he's like, shows up in Toronto with the Blue Jays jersey on on opening day because no one found out where he was. I think that's where he's going to end up. It's bad, bad for the Yankees then. Bad news for the Yankees. They think they make the biggest splash of Juan Soto. Oh, no, no, no. I think that'd be good. I think that'd be good for baseball. I think uh, yeah. they need talent to spread out. Dodgers, Dodgers are already so stacked. I know they, they've only won one World Series, but like recently, right? But I mean, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. I mean, come on. I agree, and you know what? Get a a new new market if you will in Toronto. Who's not won a lot? Get them involved. Get them, you know, out there. Um, where all of a sudden now they are in the World Series mix. Like, we need more teams competing for the World Series, not just the same four or five ones every single year. So I'm with you. I think it would be great for baseball if he goes to Toronto and now is a member of the Blue Jays for the next, let's just call it 10 years. Um, how old are you, Alex? I am 24 years old. 24, okay. Maybe you're too young for this, but we'll ask anyway. I am 29 going on 30. Now, I am really starting to, like, now a lot of my friends are turning 30. And so now this is, like, the first benchmark birthday since, like, you turned 21. Like, no one cares about 25. No one cares about 27, 23. Yeah, I'm with you. Now it's okay. 30 is, like, the first one since your 21st birthday. And now people are starting to do, like, for birthdays, bigger things than you normally would for any other birthday. And so one of my friends in a few weeks is having, like, an open bar. Hey, come to the bar. We rent it out. Um, for three hours, whatever, come down for my for my thirtieth birthday. Now it's not like they are paying for the open bar. It's hey, oh, if you want to do this, just send me like you know fifty bucks ahead, and that's like we'll get you on the list so you're in on the open bar. But we are paying for the open bar. So I told my girlfriend, hey, look, my one of my friends is doing this. Like, do you want to go? 
she said, well, I don't really know. Like, I'm not really that, you know, big of friends with them. And, you know, you know, you got to spend, you know, spend money for open bar. Plus, you got to get him a gift. Like, get him a gift. Like, you don't get someone a gift. Like, I don't, like, I think the last time you get someone a gift is your 21st birthday. But if you want to get him a gift, sometimes there are, way, like, reasons to do so. I am not getting someone a gift. Even if it's my best friend. If I am paying for the open bar. Like, that, like. In that scenario, the gift is my presence. That, that, that sounds really douchey, but it's the, like if they were paying for the open bar, it's different. If they are putting, if they are footing the bill and say, hey, look, I just want you guys there. Uh, the, I spent all this money, open bar, three hours, just come if you can. It's all on me. No worry. Don't, you know, don't worry about paying for it. I think at that point, okay, you get someone a gift. I'm drinking for free on their dime. It's their birthday. At least I could do. If I'm spending, though, my money, to be with them, but also paying for the open bar myself, there's, there's no extra gift on top of that. So basically you're saying the $50 you're paying for the open bar. That's is the my, gift. Yeah, that's yes. the gift. Yeah, I mean, There's I, no I extra it. gift. Yeah. My girlfriend did not agree. I remember last time you asked me if you were wrong. Uh, what was it? It was the dog with the pee. Yes, yeah. in the front of the apartment. I was with your girlfriend this time. I'm with you this time. Thank you, Alex, for coming yeah. over to the good side. <laughs> I was shocked. And anyone expecting a gift, like, I don't think my friend is expecting a gift. Anyone expecting a gift in that scenario is out of their mind. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't remember the last time I've expected a gift on my birthday. My birthday was last month, so, and, and... Wait, what? Why didn't you say anything? Happy belated birthday, oh. Alex. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a month ago. It was a while ago, but... Were you working here on your birthday? I was not. Okay. It, it was, it was the, the day, I, it was on, it was a Monday. I, and I I swear every year it's on a weird day. It's like on a Monday or a Thursday. It's never on a weekend. That's the only bad thing about my birthday. <laughs> I don't well, know. eventually the cat. Well, I guess you got screwed by leap year. Yeah. Eventually it's got. I mean, I guess five years from now. You'll but get going it. back to your point, yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I, I I just think maybe maybe like a dinner, like I, I, I like, and I'll pay for his food. But like, I think that's the. I think that's but like if you're the, going to, like it's different. Like if I wouldn't go out of your way to buy something for him, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But especially if you're going there and you're already spending money just to right. be there, it's not like oh we're all going to the bar. Like I'll get you a birthday round. That's different. It's I'm going to the bar and I'm paying money for this. Like for your basically I'm I'm paying to be there. Then sorry, the the presence is enough. Just being there is enough. Really fast here. I saw something today at the Heisman ceremony I've never seen before. A water machine that offered cold water, hot water, room temperature water. I've never seen a water machine with room temperature water. I'm not sure who drinks it, but I guess people do enough to where they put it in the machine. Anyway, one return, Hickey Knight, Ryan Hickey. This is Custer's last stand for the Dallas Cowboys. I will explain next.